0: Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message.
1: Uh, We're going to continue a discussion that we talked, uh, we started a couple of weeks ago, talking about day-to-day struggles, whether they be in the workplace, whether they be at school, whether they be financial struggles, whether they be personal struggles, uh, whatever they are, um, um, just our own struggles, baggage, day-to-day issues that we, you know, kind of fight with, try to overcome. Uh, And our goal, we said, uh, through this series is to have a brand-new attitude and a brand-new plan to overcome old struggles. So um, we started talking about, uh, I don't know how many of you guys were here, we started talking about women's struggles, and we started talking about Hagar, Uh, And her struggles in uh, her work life uh, because her boss decided that the boss's problems were also Hagar's problems. And so Hagar had to deal with her boss's problems. Uh, We talked about her home life because she lived and worked within the same environment uh, and all the struggles that were there for her. We talked about the fact that she um, had a baby daddy. uh, That's not the theological term but that's what it was, uh, who didn't support her, who didn't have her back, and the fact that she was a single mother who had to like, raise her child on her own. Uh, and then last week, uh, we talked about uh, the struggles that men have and the fact that uh, men like to accumulate stuff. We like to accumulate uh, – we don't call them toys. We call them collectibles. Uh, we like to accumulate cars. And and build cars. Uh, we like to accumulate knowledge about everything, and we we just like to accumulate you know gadgets and electrical and musical and gaming gadgets everything, uh, because the understanding is you can't look at my bank account and see wow Floyd has millions upon millions of dollars, but if you look at all the stuff that I have, then your understanding is wow Floyd must be rich. He must have a lot of wealth, uh, and if You know, from a guy's perspective, if you have a lot of wealth, we associate that generally with power and authority. And if you have wealth and power and authority, then you can get what most guys want. The problem that most of us have is we just want people to respect us. But the problem is we think that we can only get that through a lot of stuff. Now, here's the thing, though. It doesn't take a genius, right, to figure out that if women have struggles – and men have struggles, when they get together in a relationship in the family unit, then the family is going to have what? Struggles. They're going to have issues. They're going to have stuff come up uh, that they have to deal with. And I realize nobody raised their hand because no one wanted to admit guilt, but that's okay. We all know that Families have struggles, and there are dysfunctional families, and there's stuff that come up. So here's what I would do. I want to take a look at a family because rather than just say, here's what the Bible says, you know, thus doeth thou or whatever, uh, I wanted to look at specific instances of families, women, men, uh, walking through their struggles and see how they dealt with it and look at here's what God says about how we can deal with it. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, Uh Chapter 12, and if you're using one of our Bibles, there should be one under the chair in front of you, left, right of you, somewhere, uh, there's a Bible that you can turn to. And uh, many of you are familiar with this particular passage of Scripture, some of you uh, maybe not so much, but we're going to walk through it together and look at what God's Word says. So in Genesis chapter 12, uh, in verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, who was Abraham, but he was first Abram at this time, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, And go to the land I will show you. So God said, I'm going to show you where to go. That's where you are to go. He said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, which is what men want, respect. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So this is pretty much God saying, hey, I know that you want wealth. I know that you want power. I know that you want respect. Obey me, and you're going to get all that, all right? Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem that most people run into. Jump down to chapter, or stay in this chapter, but jump down to verse 10. And some of your Bibles may have a title that says, Abram in Egypt. In verse 10, it says, now there was a famine in the land, in the land that God told them to stay in and go to, And Abram went down to Egypt. God never told him to go to Egypt, but there was a problem, and as most men do, we do this all the time, and ladies, you don't have to laugh or shake your head yes, but when there's a problem, we say, I have the answer. I know how to fix it. I got this. I know what to do, even though we may not be right. So Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe, As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, who is Sarah, same name, uh, same person, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. And, And just as a sidebar, ladies, when we tell you that you are beautiful, it's because we think you are beautiful. We're not just trying to butter you up. But in this particular instance, there may have been a little bit of buttering up. He says, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife then they will kill me, but will let you live. And this is because they valued marriage more than life. They looked at marriage and said, wow, I can't, I can't interfere with that marriage, but if I kill him, then I can take his wife. And, and it's a warped view of marriage, but that's how high they valued the marital relationship, not so much a man's life. So in verse 13, this is his solution, again, Guys saying, I know this, I got this, here's my answer. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Verse 14, when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. She was 65 at the time, uh, which probably early the mid-40s in our range of time because they lived a lot longer. Uh, But still, uh, you know, he's not just saying, hey, you're beautiful. Other people are looking and saying, wow, she's beautiful. And verse 15, when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her, the Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired, pay attention, sheep, which is stuff, cattle, which is stuff, male and female donkeys male and female stuff and then men servants and maid servants which he later treated as stuff and camels now again this this all came about because God said hey I want you to stay here and as we tend to do when a problem comes up most men say I got the answer this is what I'm going to do And so, because they disobeyed God, it set a series of things in motion that impacted them, their family, and everyone around them. Because here's the reality there is no right way to handle disobedience to God. If God says stay, then what are we supposed to do? Stay. If God says go, then what should we do? Go. If God says stay, and something comes up, and we decide it's time to go, and we go, We are, in essence, disobeying God. And then we have to try what most men do. We have to try to figure out how do we juggle and deal with the issues that come up because we decided to go down our own path. Now, uh, here's the question. uh, Here's the question that we have to look at. Uh, The good thing is, God intervened and he stepped in and said, hey, this is, you know, you can't do this. Uh, Pharaoh, I know you won't take her as your wife, but you can't. And Pharaoh was even upset uh, because he said, you know, hey, I didn't know. I would never have done this if I had known this was her wife. But, but here's the question. Here's the question I want to ask you guys. Um, how do you think this struggle impacted the family unit? And this is, ladies, just think about this for a minute. How would you feel if you moved to a new location And in order so that he would be treated well, your spouse pimped you out, which is in essence what he did. I'm sorry to use that language, but it's really low on the shock your mama scale in (laughs) case of other language that could be used. But how would you feel if your spouse pimped you out and told you in advance, I'm doing this so that I can be treated well? You maybe not so much, but so that I could be treated well. And then you look and you see he gets stuff, he gets cars, he gets gadgets, he gets money, he gets wealth, he gets employees because you got pimped out. Now, what kind of message do you think that sends to those employees that come to work in his house and they're like, Pharaoh, where are you sending us? I'm sending you to work in this guy's house. And the other employees there are like, hey, welcome to the family. You're now working for the guy who pimped out his wife for you. I mean, would that, would that not kind of put a rift in your relationship? Now, here's, here's what happens. Turn to Genesis chapter 16. And we're going to go over a passage that we read a couple of weeks ago. And now you get a little bit of insight into why this happened. Genesis chapter 16. There we go. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Now, Sarai... Abram's wife, this is 10 years later, 10 years after, you know, Sarai comes home, Pharaoh says, hey, I didn't mean to do this. He sends her back with Abraham, gives him more stuff. He leaves his household at that time full of employees and men servants and maid servants. Uh, most theologians believe it's somewhere about 500 or more men, just men, strong in his household. That's, that's what makes up, you know, his household. So now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. Where do you think Hagar came from? From when he pimped out his wife. I guess I should stop saying that word. Okay, from when he gave his wife over to let Pharaoh take his wife. Okay. So she had no children. She had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children, which is not true. Go sleep with my maidservant, perhaps, perhaps. I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Now just think about this for a minute. Where do you think Sarai, or Sarah, got the idea it's okay to treat people like stuff? From Abraham, because he treated her like stuff. He didn't treat her like a person who mattered in the eyes of God. He treated her like stuff to be given away or traded. And so when the time came and she had a problem, even though God said, I'm going to give you children, and her solution was what she saw Abram do, I have an answer. I'm going to fix it my way. And her solution was to treat someone else like stuff. Now, think about this. Hagar had come from Egypt. The Egyptians, at least from Pharaoh's standpoint, valued marriage so much that even Abraham knew, they hold it so high that they'll, they'll kill me to get to you. Because if they think we're married, the only way they can get to you is by killing me. So it's possible that Hagar, coming from that culture, she had a high view of marriage. What do you think her view of marriage was now, being in a household of people who say over a 10-year time period, we're waiting for the one true God to stay true to his promise, but then she sees those same people say, God's not showing up, so we're going to treat you like stuff. And instead of you finding someone who loves you to marry, we're going to use you to marry my husband. But guess what? When you get pregnant, we're going to treat your child like stuff. He's not going to be your child, as Sarah thought. He's going to be mine, and I will have a family through you. And here's, 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 here's what we keep running into is that when there's a struggle and an issue in the family, it's not just the family that gets impacted it's everyone in the household and everyone that's impacted by that household. So if Christy and I are at each other's throats and we have a struggle and we're not addressing it, when she goes off to work, do you think she has her happy, happy, joy, joy face on? No. She's probably treating her patients, her co-workers and everyone with a little bit of an attitude. Me, not so much, because I work here alone, so I don't have to worry about it. But We impact everyone around us. Now, uh, um, turn to Genesis chapter 26, because it didn't stop there. Genesis chapter 26, a couple of chapters over. Genesis chapter 26, and we're just going to read through a couple of verses. Verse 1, now, there was a famine in the land, Besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time, which we just read about, and now God has changed his name to Abraham, uh, Abraham's time, and Isaac, this is Abraham's son, Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Why do you think that God felt it necessary to show up to Isaac and say, hey, there's a famine, don't go down to Egypt. Because when his dad, what he had seen in his dad households is, hey, God gave me a command, but when there's trouble, I'm going to try to solve it my way. So this time, God steps in and says, hey, don't try to solve it your way. Do not go down to Egypt. He says, live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands stuff and will confirm the oath I swore to your father, Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, Excuse me, and will give them all these lands, and through your offspring, and depending upon which version Bible you're reading, uh, uh, there may be a note. And some theologians say that that word offspring uh, is specifically translated seed, and is referring to Jesus Christ. Other people say, well, it's offspring and seed, meaning the people of Israel. Neither one is wrong, because the blessing came through Jesus Christ, who came through the people of Israel, uh, but through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Now, this is important. We just read how Abraham didn't obey God, didn't keep his commands, and didn't keep his laws. But God didn't hold that against him. What God looked for was the faithfulness when Abraham did obey him, did keep his commands, and did keep his laws. And when we make mistakes, we tend to think, okay, game over, I screwed up, that now is who I am, that defines my life, my issue, my struggle is who I am. And God says, not so much. He's not looking at your issue, he's not looking at your struggle, he's looking at you, a child who he loves and wants to know and wants to spend eternity with. But let's keep reading. So Isaac, oh, excuse me, verse 6, so Isaac stayed in Gerar, verse 7, when the men of that place asked him about his wife, look what he does. He said, she is my sister because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah because she is beautiful. And that's where we get the phrase drop dead gorgeous. No, I'm just kidding. I just made that up. I have no idea if that's true. (laughs) But uh, they looked and said, hey, she's so gorgeous that, you know, worth killing for. And when Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window, saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebecca. uh, That word literally means touching in an intimate way. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what is, excuse me, what is this you have done to us? One of the men might have well slept with your wife, and you would have bought guilt upon us, again, because they held marriage in high esteem, not so much as life. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who molests this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now, here's, here's, here's the thing that we don't realize. Where do you think Isaac learned to treat his wife like stuff? He wasn't even born yet when this occurred with Abraham. But thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. He wasn't even born yet when this occurred with Abraham. But apparently people in the household still talked about it. And just by show of hands, seriously, how many people think Sarah was probably still a little bit upset by it years later? Yeah. It didn't just go away. And here's what we don't realize. Again, uh, when we don't deal with our family issues, someone else has to deal with them. Our children have to deal with them. The people they interact have to deal with them. Their teachers have to deal with them. And and God forbid, uh, hopefully not, but at some point, if they grow up with those unresolved issues and struggles, the police have to deal with our children who didn't deal with these family issues. And here's what here's what here's what God says, uh, because Paul, who knew all of this, he was a, a student of the Bible, knew all of that. He was studied the Old Testament mainly because that's all there was, uh, but studied the Old Testament inside and out, knew it, knew the stories, knew the histories, and so when he's writing to two different. Uh, congregations, one in uh, Ephesus and one in Colossae. He writes them basically the same thing. This is what he writes on dealing with family issues and family struggles. Uh, This is the message version just because it sounds really cool. Uh, He says, wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the master. He says, hey, when you've got family struggles, Ladies, if you will understand and support your husband by submitting to them in ways that honor God, it will help resolve a lot. Now, I know women today don't like to hear that word submit because they think it means, uh, are you telling me that I'm supposed to be barefoot and pregnant and have dinner ready by this time and all that stuff. That's not what submit means. First of all, it says submit in ways that honor God. And uh, I can't remember her name. Beth Moore. Beth Moore. Uh, who is a great speaker, lots of books that she's written, uh, Bible study queen. uh, uh, She says that submitting for ladies is literally bowing down before your husband, not to worship him, but so that God can get to your husband. You're submitting to God. That's the way she defines it. It's not so much that you're putting him up on a pedestal, but you are obeying God and putting God's word and God's command up on a pedestal in order to honor God. But that's not the only part. And here's the thing. It's a total package. It's not like you just drive off with this part. Because then he goes on and he also says, husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. All out means literally all out. And the word for love is the unconditional love. That means when she's mad at me because I messed up, I still got to love her. When I'm mad at her because she messed up, I still got to love her. When she's mad at the kids or mad because something happened at work, I still have to love her. All out means, yes, she may be submitting to me to put God on a pedestal, but I am loving her in such a way that no matter what happens, whether she's happy, angry, sad, uh, whether she feels, you know, not good about herself or whatever, no matter what, there is no doubt in her mind that she is my number one priority, and I love her in an unconditional way. But that's not the only part of the family unit, because he goes on and he says, children, for all those who thought we were leaving the youth out, do what your parents tell you. This delights the master to no end. I just saw that look. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but this is what he says. He says, children, do what your parents tell you. And and elsewhere, this is what um, I think it's David who says that, uh, or I forget who, it's one of the Psalms that uh, God loves obedience more than sacrifice. Obedience to God pleases him to no end. And I, I, I tell youth all the time, If you want to eliminate 99% of the arguments with your parents, there is just one simple thing that you can do. Guaranteed to work. It is 100% effective. Just obey your parents. What if they tell me to do something that's totally stupid? Obey your parents. What if they tell me to do something I don't want to do? Obey your parents. What if they tell me to do something I don't have time to do and they don't understand all the other situations? Obey your parents. Guaranteed. Works every single time makes for a happier household, makes for an easier life, less arguments between parents and children. If all you do is just, you know what, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard, but guess what, I'm just going to do it, life would be so much easier. But here's the thing, it doesn't end there because he also says parents, and in the Greek it's actually the word pater, which is father rather than parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. And the reason why it's it's father is because historically, I'm not being sexist, but historically, uh, mothers are more nurturing and fathers are more for like discipling and disciplining and training and equipping. And we don't have to look too far to see that we have a generation of kids that haven't been discipled, haven't been trained, haven't been disciplined, haven't been equipped. But he says, don't come down on them too hard or you will crush their spirits. What happens to someone whose spirits have been crushed and they are at an all-time low? Anyone on the planet, whether they have good intentions or bad intentions, can then come and abuse and use that person by just trying to lift them up. And a lot of people... Who have had a lot of youth who have had their spirits crushed? They turn to other people, whether it be gangs, whether it be drugs, anything that is going to lift their spirits. So here's what we're going to do: uh, I'm going to ask the band to come up, and uh, we're going to spend a little, just just a little bit of time, just worshiping God in song. But I want to share something with you also because um, it's not only the families that have struggles. It's also our individual struggles that we have and things that we go through. So I'm going to actually,
0: yeah, here, just take that mic. Alright, those of you that do know me and don't know me, my name is Robert. And I've uh, uh, been luckily, lucky to be able to be members of these, this wonderful group up here. Put your hands together for these guys. I'll tell you <laughs> what, they get us going every day, every week. I love it. Um, Those of you that weren't here a couple weeks ago, maybe other commitments I did. My name is Robert I'm an alcoholic. I have been dealing with alcoholism for probably 20 years. And next week I will be giving my testimony and my walk and my struggles and how God's bringing me out of it. Today's I'm 65 days sober, praise God. (laughs) And uh, uh, the things that I've learned that I will get into next week is how my family, how I affected them (laughs) as much as affecting myself. So if you know of anybody that could hear this and so I can explain to them that it's a disease, it's not just you can just stop. Why can't you just stop, they say. Well, I wish I could have or I wouldn't be standing here right now facing the, the legal issues that I'm facing, but Neither here nor there. God's gonna get me through this. And uh, I next week we got a Steelers game at eight o'clock, so we got a lot of time for before that. So if we can pass it on to people, you know, I'd love to share and answer questions. Again, I'm only 65 days into it, so I don't have all the answers. But there's definitely out places we can find the answers for you. So please, uh, hopefully, we'll see y'all next week and maybe some other people that might need to hear this. Thank you. If you get (laughs) nothing
1: else, then leave here uh, knowing that, you know, every family has struggles. Every person in the family brings their own issues. But if you look back at that verse, it's, it's, it's not about submitting to the other person. It's wives, submit to God, put him first. Husbands, submit to God, put him first. Children, submit to God, put him first. Parenting. In our parenting role, submit to God, put him first. God, as we close out this morning, we just want to lift you up in song and walk out of here knowing that we are putting you first above all of our struggles, all of our issues, all of our desires. We want to worship you. Lord, we bow down to lift you up and pray that within our families, with our husbands, with our wives, with our children, our extended family units and in our workplaces and wherever we go day to day, that we exalt you in everything that we do, that we worship you, that we understand that the families that we have, that even though we may have struggles and we may have issues, that you love our spouses, you love our children just as much as you love us. We pray that you would speak to our hearts if we're in that place where we're treating our husbands or our wives or our children or our parents like stuff. Allow us to treat them the way that you see them as people who are worthy of being loved and people who matter to us because they matter to you. God, we pray that you would bless us as we leave this place and that you would be exalted all throughout this week in everything that we do, in word and in deed. And we pray this in the name of your son, who showed his love to us by giving his life on a cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Pray that you have an awesome week. God bless.